Welcome back to another episode of the Food for Thought podcast. We're capping off our conversation about food and beverage workforce issues with return guest Jennifer D'Angelo. Jennifer, who is a vice president at Katina Solutions, was on back in March talking about the correlation between the supply chain and workforce issues in the food and beverage industry. On today's episode, we dig a little deeper about those issues and about the future of work for food manufacturers. From interpreting job fulfillment data to rethinking and retooling job descriptions, onboarding, and mentorship, you won't want to miss this tip-filled episode. Jennifer, welcome back to the podcast. I want to pick back up where we left off in our last episode and talk more about the future of work, particularly for food and beverage companies. Let's dive in a little more. Tell me more about what the future of work looks like for these companies. Well, thank you again, Erin, for having me. Um, so excited to be back. Um, as far as the future of work, you know, uh, the supply chain talent market still, I mean, there's a significant uh, talent shortage in the area. Um, so, you know, hiring and retaining qualified workers is is very difficult. Um, you know, fun fact, nearly half of the food companies um, cite labor and talent management are among the top challenges for the food industry that they face today. So again, we really have to focus on uh, a variety of different things that I know we'll dive more into in the conversation. You talked in our last episode about how food and beverage has been somewhat resistant to change, how they keep doing things the way they've always done them. What do you think that is? It's very hard to change, you know, and sometimes companies, you feel like you're doing all the right things. One thing here at Katina Solutions that we've been doing is helping our clients realize there is a different way. You have to really peel back the onion and look at how are you doing things current state. Um, again, because many of the organizations don't have the time or information about innovative ways of looking at um, how to address the challenge from that standpoint. So um, that's one thing that we've help, been helping to support with. Let's walk through some of the steps to bring people up to speed and what they could be doing better. You mentioned that companies need to look at the data. What does that mean exactly? Great question. You know, so looking at the data, um, you really need to look at where have you had successes? What are the avenues that you're taking current state to attract um, employees? What's working? What channels have we been utilizing? And what is the ROI on those? And what isn't working? You know, which many people don't take the time to look at. And then also from that, let's pause for a minute and look at what haven't we thought about, you know, um, ex exploring new creative ways to uncover that hard to find talent, um, whether it's 
looking at industry groups and partnering with them, minority organizations, trade schools. There are so many options out there. Um, but then also taking the time to measure the data and metrics about what is the ROI on those as well. Um, also looking at turnover, you know, where have we had the most turnover? What have those recruiting methods been to start with? Uh, also from promotions, where have people excelled and um, grown throughout the organization? How do we find that talent to begin with? What do we do right? Um, so really, and also from a diversity perspective, how do we, are we attracting diverse groups of talent? Are we just doing cookie cutter, what we've always done in the past? Um, and how do we change that going forward? You talked a bit in our last episode about companies needing to look at how their brand is being represented. What does that look like? Is there a brand audit companies can or should be doing? Absolutely. You need to look at it from a holistic approach. So who are you? Who do you want to be perceived, you know, out in the marketplace? So looking at your website. Does it portray a day in the life, what it's like working there? Benefits, perks, you know, around, you know, what's exciting about the organization? What are we doing? Um, social media, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever you're posting or attracting talent, like what is what is your brand showing? Also referrals. Do you have a referral program? What is that current state? Maybe it needs a refresh. Um, also, recruiters, kind of talking with them one-on-one. -on -one. What are you sharing with the brand story, the organization? You know, what what is the story that we're telling to the folks, or if any at all, which I think is lacking, you know, in certain organizations. Um, so are we portraying the perks, the total rewards? everything, you know, encompassing who we are, our values and living those values. So uh, I, there's a way to do that. And we've been helping many organizations here at Katina just dissect that process and make sure that we're looking at it from every angle. Let's do a deeper dive on retooling job descriptions. What should companies be changing up? So from the job descriptions, what I've seen is Many are stale and need a refresh. So are you really, from qualifications, let's just start there for a minute. Are those qualifications really needed, you know, within what you're saying is needed there from a background standpoint? Or are you cookie cutter hiring or looking in a job description standpoint? Um, what has been done in the past? Like look at it from a fresh lens of, you know, maybe we need this, maybe we don't need that. Also, from the brand story, I feel like that's been missing many times um, from job descriptions. So it's just, here's what we're looking for, here's what the job is, and that's, that's it. Well, again, to attract the right type of talent, you have to share what exciting things are going on in the organization what is looking to be accomplished in the role, what the opportunity is in the future, 
and creating more of a story versus the traditional approach. Let's talk a little bit about onboarding. Where have the flaws been so far? I would say um, there's many areas <laughs> that have room for improvement. So onboarding, it's just, um, first of all, does the person have the equipment and everything they need from the start? You know, on day one, that experience should be a five-star experience for that person. Um, whether the team reaching out, like some type of um, welcome, you know, from leadership, leadership, supporting, creating time for that person to what do you need? How are you feeling? We're so happy to have you. Uh, many organizations, swag, you know, sending something prior to them starting, um, making sure orientation, are they comfortable with do they know all the benefits that are available to them? Do they need help with the paperwork? Uh, have they been introduced to the team they're supporting prior to them starting so that they have a very uh, engaging experience every step of the way and have all of the tools they need on day one and know exactly what to expect so there's not that anxiety there. Can you um, talk a little bit more about how companies can improve their experience for their new hires? From the beginning, as I mentioned about onboarding, you know, that that welcoming to where they know and they've met everybody that they'll be working with on their team. Um, so important to feel welcome, to understand what the expectations are going into that, but then also people having a checklist around, here's what you can expect week one, week two, week three, or however that looks um, so that everything's covered. And they're like, along the way, they don't feel that I didn't know this is happening or I wasn't told this and I should know this information. I don't know who to go to for X, Y, Z. So I feel um, just making sure they know we will cover you. We're organized from, um, from the start also um, creating some type of mentorship program. Here at, at Katina Solutions, we have a buddy system. So when a new person starts in the organization, there's a buddy, both a peer within their division that they're working in, but then also externally and then with leadership so that you create multiple layers of relationships, friendships, point person to go to throughout for, with questions and bouncing ideas off of if they have challenges and feel supported throughout the process. Uh, so I feel like that's one of the many ways that people can help. Um, and then check-ins, you know, um, just making sure how are you feeling along the way, you know, day one, day three, and then setting a cadence around um, just what else can I do? Um, what do you need from me? All of that versus them have to reach out or just feel like they're on an island and they don't know what they don't know. You know, um, being very proactive about that approach can help them feel supported and create a great onboarding experience. I totally agree with you about mentorship, you know, what you're talking about. And I would love to dig in just a little bit more about how that mentorship 
can really play into that onboarding experience. Absolutely. Great point. And it's so key uh, for those employees. So again, with it's a great developmental opportunity for folks um, within the organization. So those mentors to be able to be a key person to help guide a new employee throughout their journey. Um, so again, there's so many reasons to have a great mentorship program. Um, but I would say, you know, more than anything, it's here's my experience when I started, you know, from a mentor day one, here's what my journey looked like, you know, to help that new employee see, oh, here's the future. Uh, here's someone I can count on with questions. Here's again, appear where it's non-threatening um, to, again, uh, help develop that person from start to finish. So uh, I've seen it done in a few different ways, you know, where one is very structured, you know, it's scheduled. It can be once a week where they meet with that person to help them throughout their journey. Others, it can just be monthly touch base over time. So um, again, and then it can be where, okay, here's where you're struggling and the leader of that particular division works and partners with the mentor to share with them, can you help me with this? You know, um, I've shown them how they can develop, but maybe it's not landing. Well, help me help them, you know, what would be your best, uh, way to help support this person so um it's it's really fantastic and and when done you know in a structured but yet informal format it helps develop that employee employee throughout their whole journey so we touched a bit last time on companies doing stay surveys or stay interviews can you explain what they are and uh what's their value yeah, so as far as stay interviews you know I, the titles, I, I kind of, you know, I don't know if I'm in love with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm one more of a mindset of um, pulse checks or check-ins, regular check-ins, but with questions structured too around how are you feeling, you know, over time, you know, is there anything that would ever um, make you leave? Is there anything that's frustrating or challenging in your role to where you would look outside? What can I do to be here to support you? So rather than, you know, again, stay interviews, stay or stay surveys, great. It's more um, being in tune with who your employees are, you know, rather than kind of a stay survey, stay interview. I would, I regularly and recommend to other leaders staying in close touch with your employees on the, in a cadence, you know, to understand how are you feeling? What do you need? Giving feedback aware around where there is improvement needed, but in addition to having questions to see, would you ever leave? And you don't ask that question directly. It's more you get it out of the organic conversation that you're already having with that employee um, because of the relationship you build. You know, one around trust, respect. I'm here for you. I care about your development. 
what do you need? Here's my feedback around recommendations of improvement, which in turn, they stay as a result, or you know where they are struggling or where they may, might not be a fit or where they may want to leave over time. I really love the idea of those kind of conversations taking place um, in companies. I I wonder how many companies are are doing that. Um, so I'm curious. Yeah, and additionally, like I, that's it. It's it's just hey, many organizations they say, come to me if you need anything. I'm here for you. But when you have that regular cadence, and you know the other thing I, I forgot to mention earlier is, you know, have a standing agenda, but keep it loose. You know, so that they know um, that you're there for them. You know, and also I always recommend, you know, if there's something that you want front of mind, I'm all ears. This is your time and giving them their time, you know, um, they feel valued. Their voice is heard. You're there to support them. All of those, all of those things. Yeah, I feel like that's been a big thing in the last year with just, you know, the exodus of employees and kind of where things have been with, you know, people leaving companies in mass that it's like, yeah, they don't feel valued. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's seemingly kind of one simple thing, like just check in, check in with your employees. Um, I'd be cur- I'm curious how many, uh, what this exodus of employees would have, if it could have been prevented by more, more managers checking in. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> the other thing is, don't talk at your employees during that time. Like, this is their time. You weave in what you need to get across, but open up the floor with letting them know it's it's their time and to share. And, again, it's your time to add in the information as a leader. But, yeah, being talked at equally would make someone leave if you're doing that in a cadence as well. Like, oh, great, I set my check-ins, but um, all I'm doing is telling them what I want and what I need versus asking about them at all. Yeah. So one last question for you. Um, I'm curious if you if you can share this. Are there any companies uh, that stand out to you that are doing any or all of the above uh, pretty well right now? Great question. Um, There are so many where this is a focused approach, you know, and I feel like um, many companies are looking at it from one lens or another, but all the the way around. Um, I feel like there's just a lot more opportunity out there. There are many that are doing so many things well in certain ways, but you know, as far as one that stands out that's doing everything, you know, from start to finish, from, you know, the talent attraction, employer brand, are we looking at it just from one lens or are we flexible in our requirements, you know, what we do to the onboarding, to the retention, to, you know, all of that. Uh, one, One in particular it's not that stands out. It's just um, there are many that are doing facets of 
all of this right and looking to improve in all areas. Well, uh, Jennifer, again, you provided so much great information here today. Um, really appreciate having you back on, and I hope both of the episodes that we've recorded have really hit home and helped our listeners, especially those who are um, needing help, uh, trying to better understand their workforce, and especially, again, the, the supply chain tie-in I know we talked about last time. But um, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today on the Food for Thought podcast. Thanks, Erin, for having me. It was fun. For everyone listening to the Food for Thought podcast today, Thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Be sure to tune in next time as we talk more about the stories behind the headlines of the food and beverage industry. Take care. Have a great day.